I'm going to be honest with you for a minute. I have a cookbook addiction. It doesn't matter if they're on the bestsellers list or in the discount bin. It's gotten so bad that my fiance actually put me on a cookbook buying moratorium. Cookbooks are great. Nobody believes this more than I do. But I just have one bone to pick with them. They don't have enough photos. Sometimes they don't even have a photo of the finished product. Look, if I'm being really honest, I've learned the most about how to make food from watching cooking videos. Cookbooks will show the most beautiful finished dish, but the videos show the process. Like, how fast is a rolling boil? And when you're sauteing an onion, what does translucent actually look like? And how brown is browned meat? Anyway, I'm telling you all of this because if I'm trying out a new recipe, I'm going to the internet for help, which really just means I'm looking on YouTube. Because let's be real, there is a ton of food content on YouTube. There's family-friendly recipes, cake and pastry delights, mukbang videos, and so much more. But even in that sea of content, it's still possible to carve out a niche that's all your own. That's exactly what today's guest did. I'm your host, Brittany Luce, and this is The Upload, The Rise of the Creator Economy, a special podcast from YouTube in partnership with National Public Media. In this episode, we're going to chat with Emmy Cho, the woman behind the uber-popular food channel, Emmy Made. Emmy is a creator with almost 3 million subscribers and fans from around the globe. For more than a decade, Emmy has been documenting all sorts of food experiments and curious taste tests. Her videos range from cooking a ribeye steak in a jar to making a cake that looks like a raindrop. You never know what to expect. Today, I'm going to be making an interesting version of grilled cheese with Mountain Dew. Oh my gosh, my ribeye steak cooked in a jar. It's like the original slow cooker. <laughs> Using extra sharp cheese, I think was a good call. Wow, that's pretty green. Emmy's channel began as a simple way for her to connect with others while she was living abroad. In the years since, she's moved back to the States and has grown her brand to such a degree that it's turned into a family business. Emmy's millions of followers have provided her with more than just the ability to support her family financially. They've granted her the freedom and flexibility to show up as the parent and partner she wants to be. Here's my conversation with Emmy Maid. Hi, Emmy. It's so nice to meet you. Hi, Brittany. It's lovely to meet you as well. Well, let me actually, I realize what I need to do is I need to make you big. There we go. So it doesn't <laughs> just feel like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> like, an empty, like an empty screen. I do that a lot, so I won't fault you for talking to yourself. <laughs> so, um, so to get started, tell us who you are um, and tell us about your channel and what you do. Okay. My name is Emmy and I have a YouTube channel. It's called Emmy Made, which I started many years ago on a whim. And to be honest, I think it was kind of a lot of chutzpah because I'm like, I didn't have any <laughs> um, experience at all editing video, nothing. And I said, well, you know, although YouTube was a really different place when I started. Uh -huh. So I was living abroad and 
I said, well, I'll just film my tasting and eating experiences while I'm living here. And, um, and then it's just continued for about 10 years now. And it's just been a wonderful, wonderful journey. You know, today, I, I think a lot of people, myself included, look up recipes on YouTube. I mean, there's so much content to choose from, but you started your channel back in 2010, way before any of that came to be. For those who aren't familiar with Emmy Made, could you break down the kind of food content that you create? Like what makes your channel different from others? Sure. I'm really driven by my curiosity. I love looking, learning about things in general. Besides food, I just am really thirsty for learning about things. And food just happens to be the lens I share on YouTube. So I'll research historic recipes and try those. Recipes from the Civil War, recipes from hard times I was really interested in. What did people do in those times and circumstances when they didn't have the means to make whatever they wanted to make. They came up with really resourceful recipes that I just find so inspiring. And then I'll test out recipes or things that sound interesting or different or just new to me. Yeah. So it might be eating insects or it might be <laughs> trying some kind of old technique just because I want to know what it's like. What is that texture? What is that smell? Or what is that combination? I saw you had some video where you were making something. It was like a washing machine? Like it was like you put the candy in there and added like some water and then you like basically manually use the washing machine. It told and turned like, it looked like sudsy water, but it was candy. Right. So in Japan, they have a candy aisle, but all these beautiful candies, but candy kits, like where you can make and mix and concoct and make these That's miniature so cool. candies. Yeah. Yeah. They're sweet. So before you started your channel, you had two degrees and you decided to work abroad in Japan right. with your now husband. Why did you end up deciding to launch your channel in Japan? And talk to me about how it's grown since then. I decided to start it just because uh, I was lonely. I was really missing speaking the language with native speakers. And although I was just talking to myself on camera, uh, I just really missed the perspective of being American in another country. So I thought, why not share this experience? At the time, YouTube didn't really have a lot of that. And I said, well, let's, let's just see what happens. And uh, I was just able to keep it going uh, after I moved back to the States and after I had my children. And I didn't have any intentions of doing that. It just really, I think Kismet really helped me out there and <laughs> I was able to just keep it going. And it has grown every year. It's grown a little bit more and it's just been such a wonderful gift. That's amazing. Where does your love of food come from? Because when you say like every video is about food, I mean, it's like dozens and dozens and dozens of videos yeah. like are about food mm -hmm. and you're trying food, you're, you're testing recipes, you're cooking things, you're giving people tips about, you know, how to improve their recipes. Like you are obsessed with food. Where did that love of food come from? I think it's really in my, in my DNA. My mother always got my brother and I in the kitchen from a very young age. We were right up there helping her peel carrots and potatoes. And she was giving us jobs. We would spend our Saturday mornings watching PBS and watching greats like Jacques Pepin and Julia. And this was before uh, food network and all that. We could only watch it on Saturdays. We could only marathon, you know, our cooking <laughs> on Saturdays. So that's really where I learned a lot of techniques. I don't have any background in, in cooking per se. 
It's so interesting because your channel is obviously very creative. Like you're following your curiosity and trying different types of foods and recipes. I also love how you try to figure out what the result of a certain cooking technique will be. Like it's almost like watching a scientific experiment. Oh, I love it. I love like breaking things down and really trying to understand on a very kind of superficial level. Cause when you start diving deep, I'm like, okay. Uh, but I really <laughs> love just the, like, I love it when an expert tells me in layman's term, how something works. I just love that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Just to have that kind of, kind of trivial pursuit knowledge. I, I just really, really love that. So whenever I try out a recipe, I, I will do the Wikipedia search and I'll do some research because I just find it so interesting. There's just so much, out there that I've never even heard of and learned about. And food just happens to be the way that I, I get there. And I feel like so much can be learned. You know, you may not have language, you may not have, you may not be able to travel there, but through the lens of food, we can all kind of understand each other because we all need to eat. Like we've all put food in our mouth, you know? So, you know, this is like your full-time thing. Yes. And just to be clear, eventually your channel grew so much that suddenly it wasn't just your full-time gig, like it was like a family affair. Uh, one of our producers told me that your husband was able to quit his job to work with you on the business. Do you remember when you realized that like you could do this for a living and support your entire family? I think, you know, after I had my son, we moved back to the States. I was still doing it. And my husband was working. When my husband came on board uh, full-time working with me, I think mm -hmm. this is, that was the moment where I said, okay, all right, we're taking the leap. We're really going to see if this is going to, this is going to work for us. And, yeah. and, and luckily it did. It really, yeah. But at the time, like, ah, uh, but it, it happened. When did you begin to monetize your content? So I started probably within the first year uh, in terms of monetization when I was living in Japan. Wow. And uh, yes, but my, my audience was quite small and it just grew steadily. But again, it was diff a different time. So if you had a couple thousand, you'd be really, really excited. Mm -hmm. And a million was a big number. These days, you know, people have tens of millions. So it's wild. I know. Isn't it crazy? It's so wild. Yeah. So crazy. So yeah, I remember being stoked, just like getting a comment and like, oh, they're talking to me. Oh my gosh. So I'd write back. <laughs> and now I still read my comments, uh, but I can't, I can't reply to all of them, but it's great to still have that exchange. So like, you know, this is so your business that you recently formed an LLC. Like did that, was that like a moment for you? It was, you know, my husband and I kind of looked at each other. We're like, oh, we're a small business, but I mean, <laughs> not that much really changed. It was on advice of, you know, some people that are like, you know, this is time. I'm like, okay, we probably should have done it a couple of years ago, but there's no real handbook. Maybe there is a handbook by this point, but I haven't read it in terms of what you're <laughs> supposed to do for this. So what do you love most about having a food channel on YouTube you know, that, that other traditional careers maybe wouldn't allow you to do? The flexibility. I think the most thing that I'm grateful for is the flexibility to raise my children the way I've always wanted to. Mm -hmm. And it was to be, for me, to really be there with my kids. I've, I've dreamed about having children for a long time and put it off for quite a while because I wasn't in the right place for it or the right situation. Mm -hmm. And finally, when uh, we were ready, 
it was such a great way to just be present for them in a way that I really wanted to be. And uh, so, so grateful for that. And I could always rearrange my YouTube publishing schedule or my editing schedule to work around my children's schedule, which was wonderful. Yeah, I would edit. I still edit at night and I film <laughs> during the day, not at nap time anymore, which is great. But before it would be during nap time, I'd be just frantic trying to film something while they were <laughs> sleeping or trying to get them to sleep. And uh, it was pretty nuts, as any parent can tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, so just having that flexibility is just so wonderful. Wait, so you, uh, I'm trying to get the timeline. So you had the channel before you mm -hmm. had your first kid. What was it like to continue making videos while also like becoming a parent and going on this whole other adventure with your family at the same time? It was nuts. I think initially <laughs> my first, my first kid was a, a challenging kid. Let's put it that way. I think, but I was too. My mom very gleefully when she spoke with me over the phone after my son was born said, you know, is is he fussy? You know, I could hear her smiling. I'm like, yes, mom, he is. <laughs> and she's like, oh, interesting how genetics works. I'm like, thanks, mom. But uh, so that was, it was tough because I, I had to hold my kid constantly. Yeah. Didn't want to be put down. And, and I was like, I, I still need to make videos. And, but, you know, you manage. That's what I think that's what you do. You figure out your child as best you can and mm -hmm. you, you work around that. So I, I have videos where I had to crop myself because I'm, I'm nursing my kid like, you know, so you just find ways to make it work just like yeah. anybody else. The flexibility was just so, so important for our lives because you have to be flexible when you have children because they demand it. Yeah. How has that flexibility like changed over time? Because you've, I mean, you've had your channel for over a decade now or just about a decade yeah. now. Does it look uh, the same way that you initially, you know, imagined that it would? No. Yes and no. It's changed as my life has changed and my children have changed. Now they are in school. And so, although this past year was a whole nother set of challenges right, for everybody. Right, right, right. Uh, that really freed me up some time to when they were attending school to mm -hmm. have a set amount of time to film and 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 that I hopefully shows in in my production quality and the amount of attention that I can actually put in the videos. Before it was just like open up the laptop, get in front, and just like <laughs> film something crazy, and then that was that. So uh, even now, I love to keep things simple. I'm not I I don't like to complicate things unnecessarily. So really simple setup. I used to shoot right in my kitchen until recently. I have a, a separate space now. Uh, so it was always just this kind of like, it was more frantic, I think before. Now I feel like it's a little bit more leveled and controlled because my kids have gotten older and they have become more independent, which is just wonderful. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people out there who are feeling exactly that. <laughs> right? It gets better. You know, I think a lot of people still think all YouTube channels are like 13 year olds doing tech reviews, but so many creators are parents like you, like you've gone from creating videos with newborns to small children. Do you have any advice for parents of small children looking to start their own channels? I would say set up boundaries from the very, very beginning parents and par people that are not parents as well. Uh, think about you potentially becoming a public person, a very public persona, and yeah. think about what what boundaries and would you would you need 
I think that's super important because as the time goes and you're trying to make content, it's just like, oh, I'll, I'll do this or I'll do that. And then, you know, but if you've already thought about it, it's like, I won't do that. Then it's easier because then you don't have to make that kind of decision later. As you continue doing this, potentially, uh, burnout is a re- very real thing and creating content is a very real thing. And, and you don't want to feel like you have to dig in places where you might not want to dig. So if you set up those boundaries early on, then you don't even have to think about that. Yeah. That's one thing I've been really trying to practice of the last couple of years is just saying, you have a day off, take the day off and, you know, don't look at your social media for the day. Don't feel like you have to post for this day because some things are mine and they should be mine. And I think that's true for everyone. That's so amazing. I wonder what, what were you envisioning you would be doing before the channel like what was your what was your plan what were you gonna do I don't know initially like you you know when you're a kid you're just like I'm gonna be a doctor I am good in science and (laughs) I sort of pursued that path in undergraduate and then Uh I pursued a an art degree as well and then I studied more art after and I thought perhaps that's where I would end up teaching art perhaps uh, or teaching something I've always loved teaching and learning and so I figured that might be some place I would end up. In the beginning, it feels like, oh, yes, it's just going to be this path to become this title. And then as you start living it, it gets a little murkier. How do you, how do you stay inspired to come up with new content after almost 11 years of being on the platform? That's a great question. I have an amazing audience that always is letting me know that they've seen something that they think that I might be interested in. So it's, it's wonderful. That's another wonderful thing about social media is that I get to hear from so many people. So like, Emmy, have you seen this? And then another person's like, yo, Emmy. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. I got to try this because y'all want to see this too. So uh, it's a really great way to kind of get a, a pulse on what people are interested or curious about. And so, or I've never even heard of, which is wonderful because a lot of times I, I haven't heard of these things. So a lot of my ideas also come from just my audience, which is really fun. Do you feel more pressure today making your videos than you did before? Even, you know, even maybe to the point of like a larger audience, feeling more pressure with more eyes on you. Like, how do you deal with that? If you feel it? I certainly felt pressure. I think when my, my husband took the leap with me, I'm like, okay, we're all in. I (laughs) felt pressure to keep the thing alive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think at the end, I really trust myself. I trust myself and what it is that I do and who I am. And I think that's a big, big part of it. I started this uh, pretty later in life as opposed to a lot of other content creators. And so I did live some life. So I feel like I had a, a decent understanding of who I am and was to, and what I wanted to put out there. So with that trust, it's really been good for me to kind of stay on the path of being true to, I guess what you call now, they would call it your brand, uh, <laughs> and think about who you are and what works for you, what you want to put out there, uh, because you are the expert ultimately of yourself. You know, people will tell you, this is your best practices. This is what you should do. This is how you should make it. Uh, but that's very generalized, you know? So think about what scheduling works for you, what content works for you or what stuff, I hate that content word gets overused. I feel, um, what subject, what, what tickles you and will it sustain you? 
So those things are things. And then ultimately, you're the one that's going to give you the right answer if you're true to yourself. Yeah. What motivates you? What I, I want to know, like, what motivates you to keep to keep making these videos? <sighs> I think it's just, again, curiosity. Like, I think even if, if the videos, if the YouTube were to end today, I would still be making stuff. I would still be experimenting. I... I love to think about this kind of thought experiment. When I see someone, I feel like, oh my gosh, that's some big wig or whatever. I always love to think of them as like an eight-year-old child because I feel like that's who we are. Like fundamentally mm -hmm. through the rest of our lives, whatever you're doing at eight years old is a huge part of just who you are. And I was, you know, mixing powder and all kinds of like concocting all kinds of things in my kitchen and making messes <laughs> and just to see what would happen. Yeah. So that's still with me and I would still be making that kind of stuff. So I would be making, experimenting, maybe making art, definitely cooking, trying out recipes, regardless of, of YouTube or social media, because that's what I love to do. Would I be talking to everyone about it? Maybe not so much, but. This is like the core of Emmy is basically <laughs> on your YouTube channel. <laughs> It's like you really get to go back to like, you know, like you're saying, we're all sort of eight-year-olds on the inside. So you got yeah. to go back and like fulfill that eight-year-old Emmy wish. Totally. All the time. I, I do a lot of projects with my kids and uh, it, it's related to things that I always, I'm like, oh, I just didn't have the right ingredient to make uh, whatever it is, to make a certain kind of slime or so I'd substitute something and it would fail. So I would tell my kids, you know, okay, we're making this. And, like, and I finally have the right tools. It just, it feels so good. You know, <laughs> just like we have the right ingredient to make this happen. It's wonderful. Oh, that's so wonderful. Emmy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today about your journey with your YouTube channel. This is so great. Thanks, Brittany. Thanks so much for your time. Emmy has it all figured out. She's achieved the kind of work-life balance some people spend their whole careers chasing. And she does work that she enjoys. I mean, Emmy's been on YouTube for almost 11 years now, and she has consistently created videos that her fans obviously love. It's no wonder she caught the attention of YouTube early on. After our conversation, I actually learned that in 2013, Emmy won YouTube's Next Up competition. Because of that program, she was able to upgrade her gear and meet and learn from other creators. Today, there are even more ways that creators can work with YouTube to maximize their potential. I wanted to learn more about programs like these, so I turned to Jamie Reichstein over at YouTube. Hi, Jamie. It is so great to be talking with you. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for having me. So to kick things off, why don't you introduce yourself for our listeners? Hi, my name's Jamie Reichstein, and I lead creator programs at YouTube. I do everything from figuring out products that our creators should know about to uh, developing programs and investments around our key communities. That's interesting. What, what kinds of programs? You know, YouTube does so much more than offer a platform where you can upload videos. We offer virtual education sessions. We offer the creator hub where you can do on-demand learning and testing and evolve as you learn more over time. We provide programs where you can connect with like-minded creators, whether it's gamers, black voices, female creators. 
whether you're in the beginning of your journey or really uh, at the top of your game and you want to teach others. Okay, so you guys have been covering a lot of ground with these programs. Can you talk to me about some of the things that you've been working on lately? So YouTube has a really wide range of programs and initiatives that are aimed at helping creators build thriving channels. And two of the newest are YouTube Black Voices Fund and Shorts Fund. So shorts are just what they sound like. They're short, catchy videos. They're created using your mobile phone. And recently, we announced $100 million shorts fund that will be distributed to shorts creators over the next year. And every month, thousands of shorts creators with the most views and engagement will be eligible to receive revenue from this fund. The other fund I wanted to mention was the YouTube Black Voices Fund. And this was created in 2020 as a way to lift up, center, and celebrate the diverse range of Black voices on our platform. The goal of all of these programs, one of which is Black Voices Fund, is to promote more and diverse, authentic, varied perspectives and really celebrate the voices that are unique and on our platform today. And we at YouTube, through these programs, say we want to help celebrate those and bring you from where you are today to where you want to be tomorrow. So what kind of growth have you seen as a result of these programs? It's really interesting. As I've been an employee of YouTube since 2008, I've seen the evolution of not only YouTube and the creator ecosystem, but our response as a platform and as as an industry of creative individuals uh, putting content out there for others to enjoy. I think what's... What I've noticed is that it's almost cyclical. The beginning of your journey is really exciting. There's so much opportunity and we find ways in which we can engage with you and connect you with other creators at that stage in their journey. And as your creator journey evolves throughout the life cycle, we see this growth and this explosion and these trends and people really evolve and grow up and they become businesses on the platform with all the amazing opportunities they provide, but off platform as well, whether they're developing their own brands for sale or whether they're going on tour and performing or they're coming to conventions and summits that are put on by us or by other creators to once again teach and connect the next generation of creators. It sounds like YouTube offers a flexibility for content creators that maybe more traditional media spaces didn't before. Talk to me more about that. So not to age myself, but when I was growing up, if you wanted to get into an industry, a creative industry or work in production or produce content, there was a very systematic way in which you would do that. And it still exists where you pitch a concept, you write a concept, it's reviewed by executives and it's approved or not. And it wasn't really until YouTube came along that creators were able to leverage their voice more often, more easily, and get an audience. And then from there, 
YouTube became a platform that enabled these creators to share their voice, but also a partner that said, hey, there's more opportunity for you to continue and evolve this as a business. And we want to think of ways in which we can help you do that. Jamie, it has been so great to learn from you today. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you for having me, Brittany. It's programs like the ones Jamie describes that help self-made creators like Emmy stand out in today's sea of digital content. In our next and final episode in this season, we will look at how YouTube is helping amplify the work of creators in the music industry. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for joining me on this journey into the world of YouTube creators. I'll catch you next time. In the meantime, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Upload, The Rise of the Creator Economy is a YouTube podcast produced in partnership with National Public Media. Our executive producers are Brianna LaFleur and Erica Osher. Our supervising producer is Shannon Berner. Our lead producer is Teresa Avila. Editing and engineering by Ali Kiltz. Production assistance by Gurjeet Kaur with support from Maddie Weinberg. Our logo was created by Jen Grottle and our music is by Tima Likes Music. I'm your host, Brittany Luce, and thank you for listening.